What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Athletes Wisdom Podcast, here where we help college athletes understand how to maneuver through branding, business, and marketing as a college athlete, especially through this NIL realm. Today, I have an amazing, amazing guest with me. It is Alex Jean Glover, who is a volleyball player at SMU. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. So before we really delve into the, you know, the juicy details, I just want to kind of ask you for the people who aren't familiar with you, can you just kind of give a quick background story of who you are, where you came from, and how you got to the point where you are now? Yeah, so I'm Alex, as Alex already said, but um, I'm a volleyball player at SMU. I've been here for all four years, and I'm about to start my fifth year of playing. I'll graduate in December because I did come early from high school, and uh, I'm originally from Magnolia, Texas. It's just a little suburb in Houston, Texas, so not that far from Dallas. So I've been pretty fortunate to be able to have my family and you know friends be able to come and support me at my games, which I think is a huge part of my success. But yeah, that's pretty much all about me. I love it. I love it. So how long have you been playing volleyball? So I started playing volleyball in the seventh grade. So this is now, let's say in terms like my 17th grade, if you will. So mm-hmm. about 10 years. Oh, wow. So what originally yeah. got you into it? Was it something that you kind of stumbled into? Was it something that, you know, your parents said, hey, try this? Like, how did that come into fruition? Basically for PE, we had to do intramurals and we only had two choices. It was basketball and volleyball. And uh, I was just not a huge basketball fan uh, Mm -hmm. at the time. And I just knew that that wasn't, you know, my personality. Like, I didn't really, I don't think that I could have a bunch of girls, like, I don't know, hitting me. And it's very rough and it's very hard. And, you know, it takes the right person to be able to play basketball. So I knew I didn't want to do that. So I played volleyball and I just like fell in love with it. So going through high school, right, what was the point in which you were like, okay, I can actually get a scholarship or go to school for this. So I'm going to pursue it more than the average thing. Yeah. So back then when I was playing, the recruiting rules were a little bit different. So you could get recruited at any time. So I started getting recruitment letters in the eighth grade, actually. So um, there was that. And then I started going on visits in the ninth grade. And then in the 10th grade, I committed. So I think I kind of knew, you know, end of eighth grade year, maybe like club time that, it's something that I could do and could get a scholarship for and was fortunate enough to have that opportunity. I like that. I like that. So earlier you said when you were kind of telling a bit about yourself, you said that you left high school early. Mm -hmm. So like, how was that process? How early did you leave? And what was the process of like transitioning from graduating early to going into college? Yeah. So I only also played two years of high school volleyball. I didn't play my junior year and I didn't play my senior year. And I think a lot of people are doing that more now than then just because you don't want to get hurt. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a different competition level and stuff like that. But I decided to forgo my last two years. So when I was kind of sitting around, you know, I was still going to school, but I was Mm -hmm. sitting around and doing privates and training for club. My college coach called me up and was like, hey, would you want to come early? So I was like, hey, I'm not really doing much. You know, I 
went to prom. I did all of that stuff my junior year. So I really didn't feel like I would be missing out on that much. But it really was a weird transition going early because, of course, all of my friends in my grade are still in high school. And I'm here at college training and they're wanting me to come home and I'm wanting them to come here and, you know, get the college life and all of that. So it was a super weird transition. But I also feel like I don't know. They really, my friends and family didn't have as much going on as if they had gone to college already. So I feel like the support was so good, which helped the transition that much more. I like that. So how early did you leave high school? Was it like super early or was it just maybe like a semester or so? Uh, It was just a semester. So we were like, normally the freshman volleyball players will come in July instead of that. I came in January. So I kind of got to, it, it really helped volleyball wise because I got to play spring ball with the girls mm-hmm. who were going to play the next year. I could get accustomed to everybody and the different ways people played and personalities. And I felt like I could bond with them that much more. So I'm really mm-hmm. glad that I did it. I wouldn't change it if I could. I like it. I like it. So what year in your college career did NIL really come into play? My junior year. So two years ago. And it was kind of crazy because I did model in high school, so mm-hmm. I signed with the agency. So I was allowed to do brand deals before NIL came out, mm-hmm. but I wasn't able to say, hey, I'm a volleyball player at SMU. I could not say gotcha. that I was an athlete, none of that. I pretty much could just like be my social media personality in my face. But mm-hmm. basically, they're like, it was really hard to do brand deals because there was really no backstory behind a lot of them because I can't even say, you know, I've had a long day at you know, workouts and all of that stuff, because then at that point it is making it more of an NIL deal. So I was able to do a couple brand deals, which helped me build my portfolio for when NIL came out. And I'm glad that it did. But also like, I'm sad that it's, you know, I only have a semester left and I didn't get my whole four years with it. But also I feel like I was one of the forerunners on it. So I got to see the development and I'm excited to see where it goes also. I like it. So well, I, I guess I have two questions to what you just said. The first question being in the beginning stages of NIL, because I heard it was kind of like the wild, wild west. There was no real blueprint for it, right? So how was the beginning stages of NIL? And then how did uh, modeling merge with NIL when NIL finally came into fruition? So NIL, when it first came out, I just remember reaching out to like a bunch of brands and them not really knowing what it was like what do you mean? Like, what is NIL? You know, it wasn't a big thing. There were, there were certain brands that were trying to reach out to athletes for partnerships, but then some were still, you know, kind of a little bit farther behind. And I feel like it's the same way today. Like it's still not Mm -hmm. as big as it's going to be, but I feel like some people were super, some brands were super excited about it and then some really didn't care. So it was kind of hard to find that like medium of who wants to work with me as an athlete, but the modeling piece helped because I could build a portfolio, which I think is one of the best things that I could have ever done for NIL, which basically shows all my brand deals that I've done, my different type of content styles, that kind of stuff. So it's like a one-stop shop when people want to see, you know, how how do you make your videos or what do your videos look like? I can just send them my portfolio and they can see different types of content that I make. But I feel like that's the modeling piece that kind of tied into the NIL for me, because Mm -hmm. for modeling, it's the same thing. You have a comp card and a portfolio, and that's pretty much all brands see you go into audition for a minute 
give them your portfolio and then they say, okay, bye. And you either hear from them, you hear back from them or you don't, you know, Mm -hmm. but you have to make sure that that portfolio is the best thing that they've ever seen, you know, it's your best work. So I feel like that prepared me for that side of NIL kind of presenting myself to brands. I've talked to a decent amount of college athletes in regards to NIL. And one thing that they always say is, like you said, there's no real gauge for it, no real meeting for it. And that a lot of them end up, especially in the beginning stages, they were reaching out to a lot of companies. So in regards to reaching out to these companies, like what was some of the strategies you used to kind of obtain NIL deals? And then I know now that there are marketplaces for it, right? So do you solely use marketplaces now? Do you solely like have an agent for it? Do you reach out? What's kind of like the the mesh for you, like the perfect blend? Yeah. So at first I did a lot of cold outreach and I think that got me a lot of like the gifted collabs and like the lower paying collabs. And that's all great stuff that I needed. I needed it so I could practice like making mm-hmm. good videos. And it's stuff that, I mean, I don't really accept brand deals that I wouldn't really use day to day or know somebody that would use it. You know, I'm not just collecting stuff and using it anywhere, mm-hmm. but so that's what I did at first. And then it turned into like signing up for these marketplaces as they started developing, because at first there were like one or two with a couple like deals on there. But now there's so many like different ones. I find different ones every week, but I also use like influencer platforms. So I'll Mm -hmm. use like, I don't know, like Aspire IQ or like influencer, which are for college students content creator specifically, but it's not for NIL athletes. So I kind of see like different brands on that side. And then I'm still in the marketplaces. So that's kind of the combination of where I get all my brand deals. And then I also have a manager that helps me like just financially and going over contracts and making sure exclusivity and making, basically making sure I get the best deal available to me. So at first, it was a lot of cold outreach, really not anymore. I get a lot of inbounds and a lot of stuff from marketplaces. I like it. So I've looked over some of these marketplaces and pretty sure you know this already. You do know your face is on open doors, right? I do. I How do. was that when you, when you first realized that? And like, did you get like an NIO deal for that? Or was it just like an ambassadorship? What was that process? No, I didn't even know. I um, was checking the website one day for some reason. I don't know why I was on it. I was probably looking for deals or something. And I had opened up the homepage on my computer and I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) wait a minute. That's me. And like, I don't know. It was like a weird thing. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure I didn't know about this, which is fine. I don't care. But I did do a, um, that was for a deal I did through Open Doors for an ice cream company. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't specifically like, Hey, I want to put your face like Open Doors didn't reach out to me and say I want to put your face on the homepage, but I did do the deal through Open Doors. So, have any of your friends or any of your you know people that you've met through say the NIL summit or things like this? Have any of them seen it and kind of reached out to you? Yeah, they actually have. Like when my friends will check it or people from the NIL summit, people just athletes I know will see it on the homepage. You know, they'll Snapchat me a picture and be like, "Look who I found," uh, that kind of thing. But I'm sure that's nice. So which of the NIL platforms, marketplaces for you personally have been more beneficial in your NIL journey? Ooh, I will say that they all provide like different types of opportunities for me, but I would say like Icon Source is really good. Influencer is really good. And that's just because 
that's like a one-stop shop for everything for my school, my pictures that my photographers post and uh, it has deals on there and different places for me to reach out to different people. So I really like open doors, icon source, influencer, trying to think there's a lot of them. And I think I've a mogul. I've used that one a lot. I would say I've probably gotten deals from every one market price. I've gotten deals from trying to think like 98 strong. I don't know if you've heard of them, Mm -hmm. but kind of just like one deal here, one deal here. Like, let's see what's on this one today, which is Mm -hmm. super fun. It's like kind of like shopping, but for yourself. So (laughs) it's nice. Yeah. So when you say that these different marketplaces, each of them essentially offers something different. Can you kind of go over like some of the, you know, differences that they offer and how it could be beneficial to different uh, athletes? Yeah, I think like 98 strong is a little bit of like you're first starting out, you know, Mm -hmm. they have a lot of gifted stuff, just a lot of stuff to get your foot in the door and kind of get that practice. And then I would say that influencer has a lot of, I've seen like a lot of ambassadorships and stuff like that, but with huge companies like Kendra Scott, uh, ESPN Women, like what is it, WWE, like that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. where that's building connections with huge brands. And then Icon Source and Mogul, I would say is kind of a good mixture of all of it. Like they have the bigger brand deals worth like thousands of dollars that you can apply for, but they also have a lot of like local stuff where it's like, a local Dallas company wants me to come in and have appearance. So stuff like that. Gotcha. So I just feel like you have to know each platform and they all kind of like show what they are about, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like how I felt about them two years ago is the same way that I feel about them now and what they have to okay. offer. I like that. I like that. So how many NIL deals or partnerships or ambassadorships have you been able to accrue since it started? I don't know the exact number, but I would, in the past over two years, I would probably say over 40. Nice. Now, I know you said sometimes, uh, like 98 Strong, you said they do a lot of gifts, right? Can you kind of go over the different type of compensation packages, right? Whether it's monetary, Mm -hmm. whether it's gifts, like that these uh, brands give out? Yeah. So sometimes I've seen this more on the influencer side than the NIL side, but brands will just send you like PR packages, basically Mm -hmm. just a gift to your house. You have no posting requirements. I always love to post because I feel like if someone's sending me something, I should post about it. You know, like mm-hmm. that was kind enough for them to do it. And I would love for them to do it again. But uh, PR basically has no posting requirements. And then gifted is usually they expect you to post a TikTok or send them a video or a testimonial, do a review, and it'll be mm-hmm. a product. And usually now I'm at the point where I'm only accepting gifted collaborations where I really, really want the product. Like, it's not something that I could get on my own. I think it's super cool, super neat. And I really want to try it out. So like mm-hmm. I'll do gifted stuff. I'm a candy lover. So I'll do like pop side candy and which is like freeze dried candy. And I love doing that because I can do a quick little review, you know, on my social media, which is super neat, but that's a gifted. And then they'll have like paid collaborations, which is basically they'll give you compensation for a post picture, whatever you come up with. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the paid collaborations, how often do you tend to get those NIL deals and how difficult or not difficult are they to obtain? Because I know a lot of people would obviously like to try some products out, like you said, some things that you think are cool that you might not necessarily use 
outside of NIL or uh, be able to obtain outside NIL. But then I know some people, they just want the money, right? So like, yeah. how easy is it to get paid NIL deals? I think it, it's pretty difficult. So I think there's two different types of athletes in NIL. There's the athletes that are extremely good, go to extremely good schools and are just marketable mm-hmm. because they are good at their sport. And that's mm-hmm. great. You know, they're the ones getting the easier paid collaborations where it's, hey, compose with this car, you get this. And all you have to do is, you know, snip a picture and put it on your Instagram. That's perfect for them. That's not who I am. I'm not I don't go to a huge school and volleyball is a huge sport right now and it is growing, but granted, a lot of people would rather have those football, women's basketball, men's basketball players, baseball, which is fine. So I would say it's a little bit harder to get those paid collaborations if you're not one of those people like me. So that just takes a lot of work in reaching out and you have to take a lot of no's and that's fine. And you also have to figure out what about you makes you stick out. So I, that would be my key tip is like, find something about you. There's thousands of college volleyball players, but what's going to make me different about it, you know? So I'd like to section myself more as like an athlete who focuses on on content creation rather than an athlete who does NIL deals because they're a great athlete. Let me go into the content creation side, right? I know that obviously every person in general has a different content style then obviously when you partner with a brand, they then want to, they obviously want to use whatever content style you have, but they might add, you know, do this or do that, or we want to see this, right? So when it comes to creating content for these brands, like how easy is it or difficult to create content? And like, what are some of the requirements that they, you know, give you as an athlete to put in their post? Yeah. So for me now, a lot of the deals that I do will have me in the application process send in like a brief, which is basically just telling them, Hey, this is the direction I want to go with this campaign if I were to get it. So that makes things so much easier because they know what you're going to do. So when they either accept you or decline you, they're telling you basically you can do that. You can go that Mm -hmm. direction with it. The hard thing I found is let's say I do a video for McDonald's. And then let's Mm -hmm. say I do a video for Wendy's. I would probably never do that because they are competitors, but let's say I did. It's going to be very hard for me to find a different content style for McDonald's than Wendy's, considering they have a lot of the same products and they probably want this around the same thing, you know? So I Mm -hmm. think that's the problem. And that's something that you need to think about before accepting all of these NIL brand deals. And I think if they're not asking for a creative brief before, you make one. So you know exactly what you're walking into and what you're going to do if you were to get the brand deal. So can you just kind of go over the details of what a creative brief is, right? You obviously know what it is, but maybe somebody in the audience isn't completely understanding of what that is. You kind of break that down for me. Yeah. So a creative brief is basically a brand will send it to you after and it'll say like, this is about the campaign. This is what we want to do. So let's say McDonald's is doing a back to school campaign. So at the mm-hmm. top, it'll say back to school campaign. This is a little bit about McDonald's. And this is the campaign that we're doing. Then mm-hmm. it'll say creative brief. This is what we want you to do. We want you to show how your day as a student athlete is tied into finishing your day with eating McDonald's before you go finish your day at school. 
you know? Mm -hmm. So basically a creative brief is doing that. And then it'll show you the posting requirements, which is like one feed post on Instagram, one TikTok, one carousel, one reel, whatever it is. It'll give you the compensation and it'll also give you the do's and don'ts, which is extremely important because sometimes they'll say for McDonald's, don't say that it's unhealthy or don't say that it's healthy. Don't advertise something Mm -hmm. that it may not be. Basically, it's just the guidelines, just as if you were to take a test, like a study guide, everything that Mm -hmm. you need before you actually create the content. So are there ever any companies that they might not have as detailed as a brief, right? They just kind of give you creative reign to create it as you do? Yeah, there's some that'll like reach out and say, hey, we just want a video from you talking about the app or whatever it is. And I mean, you just have to go with it and use your brain and try to do what you feel is best to make them look good. But a lot of the bigger companies, I would say I've seen have creative briefs just probably because they've been doing it for a little bit longer. And as much as you don't want to reshoot and have to redo stuff, they don't want to have to keep telling you to redo stuff and keep looking at edits and stuff like that. Gotcha. So I want to veer into the the NIL summit, right? That was powered by Influencer. So was this your first year going this past year or was it your second year? It was my second. Second. So how was it compared from the first year to the second year? And what are some things that you were able to, you know, take away from the NIL Summit? Yeah, I thought there were some big differences. I thought that the feel of the athletes was a little bit different. I think the first year, everyone just literally did not know, like, oh, do we go talk to this person? Do we go connect with this brand? You know, you didn't want to do too much, but you also didn't want to do too little. So I think Mm -hmm. this time everyone kind of had a gauge like, hey, go mingle with that group of athletes over there and try to connect with them. And I think more of this one was more about content creation where to like this time I see everybody with their phones up, you know, making their videos for day in the lives and stuff like that. Whereas last Mm -hmm. year, nobody wanted to do that because nobody wanted to be the only one, you know, with their phone Mm -hmm. out or doing that kind of stuff. So I thought that was super neat. And other than that, though, I thought the panels were great both years. I think I had different ex- different experience this year than I had last year because I got to speak on a panel. I got to present mm-hmm. an award. I got to do, I was with the Meta Empower program. So I got to go do their, it wasn't a launch party because it was over, but kind of like end of the year, you know, this you're finally meeting everyone party. So it was a little bit more engaging for me this time than it was last time. How was it being able to speak on the panel and how did you get that opportunity to begin with? Yeah, so I was in the Meta 2.0 program and basically that was just uh, a group of 30 female athletes all around the U.S. of all different sports. We all applied to be in this program and they brought us to this program that gave us tips to like help monetize our Instagram and Facebook and reach Mm -hmm. more people, get higher engagement And then they connected us with a brand. We each got a brand deal at the end. So I don't know. I I don't know if I made great connections with them. I'm so fortunate for them because they just reached out to me and asked me if I would want to speak at the NIL Summit. And they also Mm -hmm. asked me back in February, I spoke on a panel. It was called the Women's Sports and Power Brunch at the Super Bowl in Arizona. And uh, yeah, and Meta had a panel there and they asked me to speak on that also. So this was my second opportunity actually speaking on a panel with them, which was amazing. But they just reached out to me both times. I love it. So oftentimes, obviously, right, when you go to these events and you see people on panels, you tend to learn something from the people on the panel. 
did you learn anything from being the person on the panel, right? Oftentimes we don't talk about learning something just through experience. So like, how, mm -hmm. what, what did you learn, if anything, and what was your experience of being on the panel, both this time in NIO Power and Summit and when you were at the Super Bowl? For the Super Bowl, I was the youngest person there. So it was a little bit of a different crowd than the NIL Summit. But I'll say mm -hmm. for the NIL Summit, I definitely learned that a lot of student athletes just don't know where to start. And like mm -hmm. everyone wants to do it. Everyone wants to put in the work and a lot of people are making videos, but I didn't realize that a lot of people don't know how to reach out to brands or like mm -hmm. how to get on these marketplaces, how to make a portfolio and stuff like that. Because I would have people coming to me after the panel and asking those type of questions like, hey, can you send me your portfolio? I'd love to make one, but I don't even know where to start. Like what website do I use? What app do I use? What are the marketplaces that you're on? Mm -hmm. And I just wish there was like, a huge workshop or something. I don't even know because there's so much to NIL, but I just wish that there was something where student athletes could go to a one-stop shop and learn because I kind of had to learn as I went though. Like I had mentors and I had people to help me, but it's hard, you know, and it's just kind of like a trial and error type thing, but I don't think that it should be as hard as it is. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say just one because I feel like it's going to be more than one. What are one to three tips that you can give to a college athlete watching this who, like you said, doesn't know where to start, doesn't know the marketplace, doesn't know how to create a portfolio? Like, what are some tips that you would give them just to get them in the right direction? One, I think the most important thing is to post more than about your sport or like the in-game picks or like whatever. I think that you have to be so much more than that, unless you are one of those 0.01% of athletes who are, you know, so great. And they're the face of their school and they're going to huge schools, mm -hmm. which is again, very like, you're very fortunate for that, but everyone isn't in that position. So you've got to make yourself different in some way. So I think my first tip would be just try to make yourself different in your content. My second thing would be to stay consistent because a lot of these platforms will not push your content until you're posting three, four times a week. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So like, and I used to get in this all the time. I would post and my post wouldn't do that well. So I'd take it down and I'd be like, okay, I can't post again until I have the best picture I've ever seen in my life <laughs> or the best video, you know? I and uh, I would get so caught up in that. Like I need this amount of likes on this, but mm -hmm. my growth didn't really start until... I started posting and posting and posting because once I posted this video, someone else saw it and they were able, you know, to follow me and stuff like that. Nobody's going to follow me because they saw one picture one time that was amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that would be my second thing is don't worry about how many likes you're getting and don't put so much thought into every single thing that you're putting out there worried about, is this going to connect with my audience? Because I think that's also when I found out my content style the most also was when I was creating videos and I could see the engagement and something didn't do well. I'll try it again. But if it doesn't do well again, I'm like, okay, that's not the audience that I have. You know, I don't need mm -hmm. to do that that much. So I think that's when you learn the most about yourself. And then my third thing what? would probably be to get a portfolio. Mm -hmm. I think that's been the biggest thing for my success because brands really... They have a million people. We are now in the range of also being in the world with influencers who are, that's their job. They're just making videos. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to want to, you know, you, Hey, here's my Instagram at, and they're not going to want to sit there, search it up. 
take 10 minutes to do that over one person. Yeah. So it's easier if you're reaching out to brands or just in communication with them to have everything in one place. So I say the portfolio and have links on there, like on the email where they can just click it. They can see everything and move Mm -hmm. on if they need to. So two part question for one, if somebody doesn't have what they think would be, you know, a, a detailed portfolio, right? What are some things that they could add in there? I know one idea, something somebody told me is just, you know, any of the community service that you do or anything you do on a day-to-day basis, brands like to see that. But what else could you add into your portfolio if somebody essentially, you know, thinks they don't have the, the perfect tailored one? And then to one of the points you said earlier, how can somebody get over that, you know, fear of posting per se, right? Because oftentimes it can be a bit intimidating, right? You see all these people and even maybe some of your, your friends uh, that play sports, they post something and then, you know, it goes viral. And then, like you said, you post something and it gets like 14 likes. Right. So, like, how can somebody get over the fear of that? And then how can somebody essentially build their portfolio if they think they don't really have one already? Yeah, I think building your portfolio, you definitely have to have samples of what your content style is or your work. And if you don't have that, you can just grab stuff around your house. Like I can grab this makeup, do something with it, little UGC moment, you know. <laughs> have a little video for 30 seconds to just put that in there because it's going to get better as you do more videos. It's not going to mm-hmm. be great at first. So I don't even think you should be worked up about that, but I think that there definitely needs to be some type of content style in there, whether, I mean, your thing could also be photography and the way you take pictures and aesthetics and stuff like that. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people do like lifestyle content. So even that, just having someone with a camera, take a picture of you and put it in there. I think community service is great also because there are a lot of opportunities for like philanthropy and speaking engagements where you can come mm-hmm. out and speak to like a volunteer opportunity, stuff like that. So I think that's all always great to have. The second question was, what was it? Sorry. The second question was, well, you kind of answered both of them within the same, the questions were, you know, uh, what can somebody add to their portfolio and how can they kind of get over the fear of posting? So you kind of touched on both of those. I wanted to ask you this as well. I know you said earlier, right, that you haven't found a place where it's like a one-stop shop for people to learn about NIL. What would be some of the things you'd want to see in that NIL workshop that you spoke about? And how did you start your journey of being able to like create your own NIL ebook as well, right? Because I know that you created NIL ebook to help other college athletes. So how did you start that process? And what would you like to see in an NIL workshop if it included everything that you feel as if is necessary to help a college athlete? Yeah, I think for the workshop piece, first of all, having all of the athlete marketplaces on there, I think that would be Mm -hmm. so helpful because it's crazy that two years later, I'm still finding ones that I've never even seen that are helpful, you know, like you never know what somebody's looking for, what somebody wants. So I think having maybe a workshop over, Hey, this is where you find this. Think having another workshop over how to build a personal brand. So how to build your profile up and do's and don'ts, what brands are wanting to see in your profile and kind of like what they're not wanting to see. And I think there is a lot of NIL education financially about these contracts and about money and making sure you file your taxes and stuff like that. But a lot of people can't even get to the part where they're making the money. So I don't think that that's helpful for a lot of people who aren't getting the NIL deal. So I think if there's a one-stop shop that could go over your profile, places to find NIL deals, how to make yourself different and what you should say when you're reaching out, that would be perfect to me. 
And as far as my NIL ebook, I think I did that. I put a lot of the marketplaces that I'm on. I put some emails of some brands that I reached out to that do gifting for athletes specifically. And then I talked about some of the background of NIL, where it's going, kind of the logistics of the breakdown of female, male, sport, whatever. Um, so, and then I also put the gadgets that are my rider dies, like my tripod. I have this uh, tripod that moves with my face when I like move from mm. corner to corner of the room. So cool. different things like that, like lights that I need for my camera that helped me that I didn't realize I needed until a year ago. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. So do you plan on creating more products or services for college athletes to help them in NIL? Or do you want to like partner with somebody or just kind of see somebody else build or create these products? Oh, I like all of them. If someone else could do it, I'd be the biggest supporter. If I could do it, I would love to do that. I think it's so important. I think I'm going to start with like more educating on NIL as I'm finishing my career. I think it's so important and I want to help people. I'm not a, a person who's get a gatekeep. And I heard that a lot at the NIL summit. It's like, oh, I've asked a lot of athletes how they get NIL deals and they, they don't really help me. You know, they don't say mm -hmm. much. And I'm like, it's not even a competition. It, you, a basketball player who's asking me, you're not me. I'm not you. We don't even do the same thing. We don't have the same content style. There's no way for you to make a video that looks exactly like mine and vice versa. So I don't understand why there are so many people who will not share their experiences and how they're getting these deals and stuff like that. So besides going to, you know, the NIL summits and things of that nature, how have you, and besides even just some of your personal trial and error experiences, what are other ways that you've been able to learn about the NIL space and how to, you know, kind of get NIL deals? I think the way that I did it was actually through listening to influencers because there's so much on Instagram and TikTok videos, how to reach out to brands and templates like that. And I don't mm -hmm. think athletes think of that is that influencers are doing the same thing. Content creation. The only thing you're doing able to do now is put your name behind it and do whatever you do. So I, I'll just go and like search engines of like brands that work with people with under 10,000 followers or brands that work with micro influencers and stuff like that. And I'll just learn so much and I'll write that down and then I'll apply it to whatever I'm trying to do. I like it. So if like, if there was one thing that you'd want whoever's watching this to take away, like, what would that be? Post as much as you can. I'm not saying be annoying with it. You don't have to post three times a day, but being a student athlete is such a short time period in your life for two, mm -hmm. five years. For most people, a lot of people want to see it. A lot of people want to see what your lifestyle is like, what you're doing, because there really isn't that much out there about how to how, what student athletes are doing. A lot of people just see us on the court, or on the field, and they don't see the in-between. And I think that's where I found most of my engagement is from somebody else cannot impersonate being a student athlete, and that already makes you unique. So I think capitalizing on that in these four to five years and trying to post as much as you can and find what makes you unique, but you can also be relatable with it and show the day in the lives and show your personality and stuff like that. I think it'll take you really far because there's such a big world right now for branding that you could even use it after college when trying to get a job. It doesn't just stop when you graduate. Exactly. I love it. 
So if they wanted to ask you more questions or find you somewhere, where could they find you at? What would be, the, be your best source of contact? Yeah, you can find me at my Instagram, DM me. It's right here. You can probably see it. You could pretty much DM me on any platform. My handle is the same. And you can email me. It's alexjglover58 at gmail.com. I'm always on my phone and I always want to help. So yeah, don't be scared. Reach out and I will help you out. I love it. I love it. Well, you heard it here first. And if you haven't already, just go ahead and make sure you follow her at Alex Jean. And if you haven't already, go ahead and make sure you like and subscribe to this channel. And we'll see you next time. Let's go. Oh, 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 oh,